Offscripters. It's your host, Sewa Ajay Pele, and welcome to episode 182 of the She's Offscript podcast. This is the show where we hear and learn from women who've created unique blueprints for their business success. My hope is that you'll hear their stories and translate their gems into a unique path for yourself. For this episode, I've put together 25 minutes straight of some of the best business advice our guests have shared over the years. There's so much more we could have put in here, but I hope these picks help you in the season you're currently in. Before we hear this episode, can I ask you a favor? Could you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts? This helps us to rise in the rankings so others like you can discover our show. So go ahead, pause right now, and take a minute to leave us a review so this advice can continue to help other women looking to launch their own off-script journeys. With that, let's go off-script with today's episode. I actually just went through a period of pretty extreme burnout. So I'm glad that you're asking me this because I'm Mm. very much still learning. I think with everything going on in the world, I did start to panic a little bit with COVID and, um, you know, who knows what's going on with the economy. So I got to just, you know, make as much money as I can in this season while people are still coming. Mm -hmm. And I ended up burning out. And so, you know, that that's, it's honestly the first time that that's really happened to a point of like, you know, affecting me physically and mentally. Um, so it is very important and I'm very passionate about saying that. I think, you know, this sounds very like cheesy, I'm sure, but developing that proper mindset, developing an abundance mindset has been huge to that because exactly what I just said, I was acting out of desperation. I was acting out of fear of, oh my gosh, like There's only so many resources available. There's only many, so many, you know, so many clients out there. So I have to help them all, right? You know, Mm -hmm. right now. And you can't think like that. You have to, um, yes, obviously be smart. And there are definitely periods of hustle where, yeah, sure, maybe take on an extra client or so while things are a little bit uncertain or, you know, things are going on in the world. Mm-hmm. but don't take on 20 more clients and, you know, be, be at a point where you're not really doing your best work. Or for me, because I'm very much, uh, I don't think that my work suffered, but I think my personal life suffered. You know, mm-hmm. I wasn't sleeping. I was waking up at 5 a.m. and then staying up till midnight, you know, not sustainable. Mm, <laughs> um, not at all. You know, didn't see my friends, didn't hang out with anyone, you know, wasn't being the 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 great partner that I normally am. So, Yes, you have to prioritize that because other areas of your life will suffer. And at the end of the day, what's the point of working in a business if you're more miserable than you were in a full-time job? Like Mm -hmm. the point of life is to enjoy it. And the point of freelancing or being an entrepreneur in my eyes, or one of the big reasons that I wanted to do that is so I could have the opportunity to have more time with loved ones or have more time doing the things that I love. So you kind of have to bring it back to basics and think like, this is a little counterintuitive. So one of the things that I I do is I, I, honestly, pricing appropriately is huge. Yes. You cannot undercharge. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Stop undercharging. And and if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are undercharging. (laughs) Like most people are undercharging. Um, And I see that even just hiring in my business, you know, getting quotes from freelancers. I'm like, you might want to add another zero to that quote. Like for real. (laughs) And I have done that before. I have, I have went back to, um, to people and asked them, are you sure that this is the rate that you're asking me? So 
Yeah. I mean, that's number one, because if you are are charging the right amounts, you're not going to be feeling like you have to serve 10 different people, 20 different people. Mm -hmm. You might be comfortable with a couple of clients. Um, and then again, you know, uh, going back to like boundaries with technology has been a big one for me because, uh, yeah, I mean, I work in social media, so it can be really hard to like separate my fun and personal social media from work. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I did recently is I actually bought an iPad. I never understood the the, like purpose of an iPad. I was like, why? I never really got it. I was like, I have a phone, I have a laptop. Like, why do I need an iPad? But I use my iPad only for fun. Like I only use it for, you know, browsing Pinterest or like personal emails and, um, I'm planning weddings, like wedding planning stuff, like things like that. Mm -hmm. And then my business phone gets, uh, put into do not disturb every night around 7 PM. And my clients know that if they have an emergency, they can call me very rarely. If I don't think that's ever really happened, you know, they're not expecting me to be replying to emails at 9 PM. I'm on my iPad looking at Pinterest. Corporate executives are willing to pay up to 13 times more for the services for a high of a highly visible expert. So it's, it's about how do you position yourself in order to become the go-to expert? A big part of that is positioning, right? You can't be all things to all people, which is a pet peeve of mine because digital, if ever there was a space for the generalist, digital is disrupting it. Because if we look at buyer behaviors, people have very focused searches, right? So if I go to Google and I'm looking for an expert, I'm going to say, I need help with um, strategic planning for my small marketing firm. And so if you are not focused on the industry, a segment, a problem, you're going to be drowned out in the marketplace. But if I am, for instance, the VP of marketing for a medium-sized startup in the retail space that is focused on, you know, sustainable products, and you are positioned as that, I'm going to think you are the only person. Like, you understand my world. You understand what we're passionate about. You fit in our culture. So now is the time to leverage all of those unique qualities and things that we're passionate about and really niche ourselves in the marketplace. So once you have um, the positioning, then it's about optimizing your digital footprint. And so what that means is making sure that wherever your buyer interacts with you, they're seeing that consistent, cohesive messaging because consistency builds trust. So you want to think about where your buyer might interact with you. So if that's your website, if that's your LinkedIn profile, if that's a podcast, you want to make sure that that messaging and that niche messaging is focused and consistent each place. Um, Then from there, we go into, so I have a framework, it's called prospects only care about outcomes. Prospects Mm. only care about outcomes. And those letters stand for different things. So the P is actually positioning. The O is optimization. The C is cadence. The A is authority. And the O is offline strategy, right? I know it's hard to see visually without it showing up, but um, so after you've optimized, then you go into cadence. And cadence is where I am creating conversations. It's it's like a flow. How am I creating conversations? How am I nurturing relationships? How do I make sure that I'm um, engaging them enough to get them across the finish line of cutting the check? And what I find for so many women in business is 
most are having a version to sales first and foremost. Don't nobody want to sell, right? It's like I became an entrepreneur because I want to do websites or I want to teach this thing, not because I want to do marketing and I want to sell. And honestly, the where I ruffle feathers is I say, if you don't want to sell, then you have a hobby, you don't have a business. Because if you study business, the lifeblood of any business is sales. That is where revenue and profitability comes from, right? Mm-hmm. So until you have a team, then you are the chief sales officer for your business, right? And so with that, because most people have an aversion to sales, we derive, we can create a lot of negative meaning for things that shouldn't happen. I'll say that a different way. So if I already think sales is a bad thing and I call you once and you don't answer the phone, instead of me thinking maybe calling once wasn't effective for reaching a corporate executive, I might say, nobody wants this. No one's answering their phone. This isn't a good way to do it, right? It's like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Mm. Or you just relieve. You're like, whew, wasn't meant yeah, to be. Yeah. Next. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> they don't want it. Let me find another way to do business, right? <laughs> so the purpose of Cadence is to give people a flow. So they're like playbooks where I say, okay, so the first step is day one. Send someone a LinkedIn connection request and maybe a week later, send them a gateway offering and a week later, do this. So it gives people a process to follow. And the goal is typically we see there's a seven to 11 touches that we have to have with an executive buyer before we get a corporate client. Mm -hmm. So it's how do we make sure that if there's 30 different corporate clients that I want to work with, how do I make sure that each of those 30 are getting enough touches and enough nurture from from me in order for me to actually get the result I want. And most business owners don't do that. They call someone here, they send the email there, they they connect with so-and-so here, they have a phone call here. I even have people who get opportunities, like so-and-so is interested in a solution, Um, Liz, help me strategize. Okay, cool, when did they reach out to you? 10 days ago. You just let the money sit there for 10 days? Cold. Oh, what? You don't really want this. You don't want this. So like just it just helps to make sure that we have timely, timely responses to people. One, even though an organization might shudder, even though a company might shudder, even though a project might shudder, your purpose and your passion cannot be shuddered. Mm-hmm. When you when you know what you're on the planet for, then you can recover and it can manifest in multiple ways. And it might be time for the baton to be passed to another mechanism for mm-hmm. you to execute that purpose. That's one. The second thing that I learned was actually at the hands of a woman named Stephanie Rules. She's actually an MSNBC correspondent, you know, news anchor right now. But at that time, she was at Bloomberg. I had known her because she was a banker before that and was a big supporter of the White House project. And when I called her to tell her that I was closing the organization, I called every donor, everyone who had contributed to that organization, I personally called to let them know that we were closing our doors. She said, why do you sound so sad? And I said, this is terrible, Stephanie. Like this organization is closing under my watch. Um, You know, it was my responsibility. Um, The work is in jeopardy. And she said, I think this is going to be great for you. And I said, how could you possibly say that? And she said a number of things. But one of the first things that she said was, Tiffany, you're about to find out who your real friends are. Usually we, many of us have had to wait 
<clears throat> excuse me, further in our careers down the line in order to figure that out. She says, this is your first real like national leadership gig. You're like, y'all, you're a baby. And you're about to find this out right now. And it's going to inform your decision-making and how you curate your network and your mm. tribe, you know, moving forward. So I, I look forward to that. The other thing that she said was that I had had a story, you know, journey. She says, Tiffany, name one thing that you ever like poured your heart into trying to achieve that you didn't achieve. And I was really quiet. And she said, exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. She said, this public failure will be your street cred. And trust me, in order to be wise, in order to be credible, mm -hmm. everybody needs everybody needs some street cred. And you yep. don't really have any. I remember one day I was reading a blogger. She was like 30 years old. And she said that brands were turning her down because of her age. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, like if people are turning down a 30-year-old, <laughs> I am definitely not going to be able to do this. And so that kind of, that was one thing. Another thing was just the fear of what people would think. Um, I, and I don't know where that came from, but it definitely stopped me. I, I kept thinking, gosh, people are going to go, who does she think she is? And why does she think she can do that? And who says that she knows? And it's been a world, I'm still like, <laughs> I'm still kind of like reeling from it because it's like, it's a lot. Um, and it wasn't expected whatsoever. <laughs> and so when you asked me, was I prepared? I was, I was, I would say I was prepared for eyes to be on me. Um, as far as my content was concerned, as far as what I had already done. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's kind of, it, it's crazy. Uh, Maddie James, um, she's incredible. And I was following her and she did a consistency challenge. And with if she had not done that consistency challenge, and if I had not followed that to AT, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be where I am because I was going so that the year prior for a whole year, I was I was posting consistently somewhat, mm -hmm. but it was not daily and it was not all super valuable. And so um you know, I would say in the beginning, I was super, I was doing a lot more posting and then it start. I started to get exhausted. You know, mm -hmm, I'm like, this mm -hmm. is hard. And I, and I remember telling my kids even, I'm like, yeah, should I keep doing this? You know, I don't, I don't see a ton of growth. I'm not sure if it's impacting anyone. Like, and you know, I'm talking to my husband going, should I even, is this something, you know? And I asked God, I'm a, I, I pray I'm a believer in Jesus. So I asked God, I'm like, Am I even supposed to be doing this? Like, wait, did I, did I, you know, did I do this right? And I really felt like I was supposed to. And so um, I was like, okay, I'm going to keep going, but you know what? I'm going to do it for a year. This is what I told. I told my family and I told God, like, I'm in charge. I was like, I'm going to do this for a year and see what happens. And so a year in, Maddie started her 30 day consistency challenge. And I committed to it, to it completely. I was like, you know what? I'm doing this. And so I did. And, um, the, the, what happened was I calculated the entire time I was doing it. I started calculating the growth. And, um, prior to that, I had about one new follower a day for five months straight. And for that 30 days, I averaged out to be seven new followers a day. So my growth was times seven. And so I thought, oh my gosh, this is working. Mm -hmm. Oh, I got like 200, you know, some followers. This is amazing. And so I posted on that 30th day basically I posted the results and I was like, thank you, Maddie. This is amazing. Uh, this growth is happening. And literally 
two days after that 30-day challenge was over, it was Blackout Tuesday. It was, you know, Amplified Melanated Voices. It was people were sharing. And it was really a snowball effect. And I can tell you this, like, I think two things happened. One, um, because I had all of this valuable content and because my grid was well thought out, when people put their eyes on it, it, it wasn't just put eyes on and then move on. It was put mm-hmm. eyes on it and oh, I would actually follow this person. And so I think that that was such a huge part. And I, and I thank Maddie for that, because if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't have been ready for those eyes to be on me. And I remember back in Oh gosh, I think I have like 1,500 followers. My favorite food blogger followed me. And I was shook because I was like, wait, she has like 250,000 followers. Like, why would she follow me? You know, that's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. And I messaged her and I said, thanks so much for following me. And she's like, I just love your style. And I was like, what? I was like, okay. <laughs> and so um, she was one of the first people to share my account during that time. And she shared it. And then people that followed her, they shared it. And so I had multiple, multiple people with hundreds of thousands of followers share me. Mm -hmm. And then from there, people with, you know, a hundred followers or 500 or a thousand would would share me. And it just kind of grew from there. It was, um, it was exponential growth because it was just, I was ready. And thank you, Maddie James. That's all I got to say. I'm like, thank you, Maddie James, because I would not have been ready. And that would be like the thing I'll tell everyone. Yes, it's not going to be blackout Tuesday every, every day. And this is not a normal occurrence, I would say, Mm -hmm. but I will say when you are ready, when someone's eyes are on you and you're ready, you just don't know who's going to see you and you don't know who's going to share you. And you don't know, you know, all of the people that you'll be exposed to. So be ready would be my, my um, challenge to everyone is just be ready and um, whether that's that you do a, your own 30-day challenge or um, that your content is just super valuable and your grid looks good and it, people can tell who you are by looking at your grid, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's important because you don't know when this is going to happen. I would say before I found out about financial independence, we did not save or invest that much. So that 169000 that you talked about, over half of that, I forgot the numbers at this point, were in like our retirement accounts. So I was able to max out my 401k. My husband, because he's a teacher, he was able to max out two pre-tax retirement accounts, something I did not know um, before I started this journey that as a teacher, if you had access to a 403B plan and uh, you, you, you probably have access to also a 457 plan, both pre-tax retirement accounts. So a majority of what we saved and invested was pre-tax. Um, and then the rest were in like Roth, backdoor Roth IRAs and taxable investing. So again, we had the income to do that, but we did have to make changes because before financial independence, we were not saving and investing that much. And I couldn't really even tell you where the money was going before that. So now when people are like, okay, that's great for you. You guys obviously were earning enough to do that. What about me? You know, like I'm, I'm single, um, I'm just starting my career or I'm in tons of debt. I don't have the disposable income to do or save as much as you did. So I say, and this is why I break down financial independence into steps because we came at it at a time where we were older, we were in our early thirties and we're already established in our careers and we're making good money. Um, and we also didn't have that much debt at that time. Like we got out of debt in our twenties, right? So at the point at which we came into financial independence, we, we kind of had an advantage, um, with that. 
and still had work to do. So first, for anyone listening who's not in that position, is to understand where you are. And to one, I know it can, can be inspiring, but also discouraging, but like your journey is going to be uniquely your own. Like what you can do is going to be relative to what you earn and your responsibilities. And, you know, so it's really about just making incremental improvements and doing as much as you can do based on your circumstances. And I also talk about like the journey to financial independence in five stages. So I don't know if you want to get into that yet, but I think it also helps people realize that this is actually like a marathon. Um, and so it's not expected that depending on if you're coming into this with debt or uh, just at a different starting point that you'll get to your financial independence number in two years, right? Mm -hmm. If it took you 10 years to get into debt or to accumulate your debt, like it's probably going to take you uh, that amount, that amount of time and more to get out of it possibly. That makes so I, sense. And yeah. I know your goal was to attain that independence by age 40. I don't know if that's still the goal, <laughs> but for anyone who is thinking about starting now, where do they start? Like where in your five steps or five journey or stages should they, should they start? Yeah. So the five journey or stages goes like this. The first stage is the explorer stage, meaning you just come to this and you really can't even pay your debt and your bills without going into the red every month, without spending on your credit card. Like you're literally just trying to get stable. Um, so I call that the explorer stage, stage one. Stage two, after you get out that explorer stage, you potentially you have a budget, you're finally able to at least pay your expenses and debt payment is stage two, the cadet stage, which is getting out of consumer debt. And this is a big stage because we're talking about um, your credit cards, your car loans. And I don't typically include like a mortgage or student loan here because sometimes those are, that's huge for most people. And, um, but once you get out of, out of consumer debt, which can take years, like I said, the next stage is the financial security stage, the aviator stage. This is a stage I was in when we were uh, saving and investing that $169,000. We were able to put a majority of our money to our investments and to prepare for my leap out of corporate America to help with my FU fund. So that's stage three, the aviator stage. Stage four is the work flexibility stage. It's the stage I'm currently in. And so that stage is the commander stage, I call it, because you have more command over your life and you have more options. And this is a stage I think everyone can get to. So I think financial independence is a big goal. And you know I do want as many people to strive for it as possible. But this work flexibility stage where you can actually choose what you want to do for work because you, you have like the flexibility in your budget or in your money, that is that stage four. And then stage five is the captain stage, the ultimate financial independence. Like you literally don't have to work if you don't want to. So that's how I break it down. So it's one, understanding where you fit into that and then understanding the things you need to do to get through those stages. I, when I talk about experimentation, I have tried 25 different business offers, two memberships and two other businesses in, in their entirety. And so like, if you're thinking that you've tried a lot of stuff, like that's across, you know, almost four years, but still that's a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say technically like that's over three years. So that's a lot of change. That's a lot of experimentation that was necessary. Uh, some of it hurt a little more than others, but I, you know, the thing that has stood the test of time for me has been my intensives. And so, like I said, it was four hours for three grand. Now I've changed it into a six hour intensive for 5K. Um, and that's really 
one of the main offers, like that's where the bulk of my income and revenue comes from. And I have like a few smaller offers and stuff like that, uh, just to help people with their inbox or file management or kind of just all the things they're managing in their business. And so, but that's probably, I don't know, 10 to 20% of my income while the 80 comes from about the consulting. So I do intensives and I guess VIP weekends I do as well. So those are two and a half days for 7,500. Um, and so, and yes, people pay it. And yes, they come down to Dallas where I live and I get to host them and we have really good food. And it's like, we're like, this was actually really fun. And they're totally exhausted at the end of it. We're doing <laughs> systems work, right? Which is a lot of times I'm working with visionaries who that's not their like comfort zone. And so I'm like, how can I create an environment that actually is exciting to them and will help them overcome some of like the sticking points that systems can have for them. So, so that's really it. Like I just, I sell intensives and VIP weekends and then some, a few small bites like on the interwebs. People don't understand how much good influencers turn down because again, you can't work with everybody. Everybody doesn't align. So I turned down six figures worth of work last year. And I'm okay with that because I've made multiple six figures. So it's like, I can turn down this and also make sure my brand is strong because at the end of the day, it's all about my community. You know, I'm not just taking on anything. I don't care if a brand is offering me X, Y, and Z. If it doesn't align, if it doesn't make sense, it is not worth it for me because my brand is more important than this check. It's not about the check for me. It's about really being able, being very specific and being honest, being authentic. I feel like with every single thing that I do, my authenticity and my realness, my personality shines through. And I feel like my tribe connects with that. They feel like, oh my God, I know her. That's me. That's my sister. That's my best friend. Like that's my cousin. Whatever you feel like I am to you, I am because I feel like I've built, built that loyalty and trust, not only with my personality, but what I give and what I um, recommend and what I say. And I think that's how I've been able to build that loyalty. And also by um, engaging back and, you know, just being present. I think that's something that's super important to me is to be present, whether it's in my consistency or just showing up for my community with value. I think all of that has been able to help me along the way. Hi, Offscripters. I'm so glad you made it to the end of this episode. If you found this show helpful, please pay it forward by sharing us with your network and leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Between episodes, you can find us on Instagram. Our handle is at She's Offscript. Or you can catch up on past episodes at She'sOffscript.com. All right, with that, we'll see you right back here next Thursday for another episode. Bye.